0: Talks at Afters, where you get access and insights from some of the best in
1: the business. Here at Afters, we are on the land of the Gadigal and the Bidigal people of the Eora Nation, and I would like to pay my respects to their elders past, present, and emerging, and acknowledge the extraordinarily rich 60,000 years of continuous culture that we are so fortunate to have here in Australia. Hello, I'm Nell Greenwood, CEO of Afters. And this is the place where you can find insights from some of the leading creatives in our industry. Directors, producers, podcasters, cinematographers, sound designers, screenwriters, radio makers and more. All talking about how to make great work in complex times. Welcome to Talks at After's. It's all about
2: making a personal connection and being human and being in spirit, letting your spirit guide you to come up with the most beautiful, powerful storytelling that you could ever do in, in a collaboration, understand that you both bring from two different cultural paradigms, you could come up with something pretty amazing, right? So, you know, never think that your story is stronger than the other one, because guess what? This other side here just takes your story to another level. That's
1: writer, director and producer, Mitch Torres. Mitch is a Jugan, Jabba Jabba, Yaboru, Guni Yandir, and Walmajarri woman from Broome, who has been in the media industry for over 30 years. Mitch was SBS's first indigenous presenter in 1988, and completed a cadetship with ABC TV, Perth. A successful radio professional, Mitch has previously worked with indigenous radio stations Golari and Broome, Wama 6NR in Perth, and ABC Kimberley. In the mid 1990s, Mitch focused her talents on visual storytelling and made her first short drama for the Shifting Sounds short drama initiative for SBS. Mitch began making documentaries, including award-winning Jandamada's War and The Heartbreaking Whispering in Our Hearts, a historical documentary about the Maula Bluff massacre in the West Kimberley. A highly successful award-winning writer and director, Mitch has directed and written a range of dramas and documentaries. Mitch is joined in conversation by AFTER's First Nations and Outreach team, Joseph Cardona, Sue Offenstone, and Dr. Romaine Morton. Hi, everyone who's here so far.
2: Um, you know, I'm Mitch Torres. Um, I'm a, a visual storyteller, but I'm, I think to give you some context is, into how I got here, and we're, I was talking with Joseph about did this move or segue into visual storytelling choose me or did I choose it? And I think it started a long time ago. So to give you some um, background, when I was 12, so I'm going to take you on a long journey because, you know, to know where we're going forward, you have to look back. And so, of course, um, at 12, being a good Catholic girl, um, and this is not about religion in any way, please. I'm just giving you some context. Um, I've, I've moved on from that, you know, being a, religion or family to having my own, um, my beliefs and everything like that. So anyway, at 12, you do, you make your confirmation, right? And you have to pick a saint. And I picked Gabrielle or an archangel. So I picked Gabrielle. Um, and of course someone is knocking on my door right while I'm doing this. Um, and so one of the things is later on at 12, after 12, um, I sort of got, I knew always a storyteller because my great grandfather was a, a man of high degree and he was a storyteller as well. Um, he sung the corrobories up in the, in the dreams and, and you know turned them into dances and, and was also a carrier of the traditions prior. Um, he's a river man, he's a Niganan Walamajari man, which is next to the Fitzroy, in Fitzroy area. And my mum is a Goniandi woman as well from her mother's side. So I have this really strong um, oral tradition, of course, um, as many of us do. Um, and, and that's not just, just, you know, indigenous people, people from all different backgrounds have a strong storytelling and they have to, a history and, um, they must remember it because it's in their genes and everyone has the capacity to, to be a storyteller and everyone has a story to tell. So when, as I grew up and went into media work, um, first of all, as a, a journalist, um, with, um, ABC, I realised quite quickly that, oh, I've got to step back, dancer, actor, dancer and actor. Being an actor, it was like, okay, this, this is all fun, this is all good, and um, I ha- had the same agent as uh, Ernie Dingo and Sydney, went through making Fringe draws, being on Fringe Dwellers as a supporting actor or cast, and kind of like that. And I thought, oh yeah, I can do this. You know, this is cool. Um, Dancer at the time at AIDT in Sydney in Glebe when it was the old church, amazing memories from that. And it's where I met this great cohort of creative individuals, spirits, um, who I knew would always be friends and, and go through this journey that we call life. And that creative space was, the most amazing place to be because coming from a little small town, it just, it, it allowed you to bloom and find a niche that you potentially might not have had if you stayed in that little town. But I always knew I was coming home. So Sydney was a bouncing board for me, a, a diving off place to understand how I could be in that creative space and what, um, what I might be doing. Cut a long story short, and Stephen Page can attest to this, um hurt my knee dance career over you know um, so i said okay what can i do you know i've got this creative intelligence so let's capitalize on that and 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 use that as an economy right so um acting got into got an a- um agent and this it was called the black artist agency back then um, in in north sydney and then did um after Fringe Dwellers did Barbecue Area, um, and if any of you haven't seen Barbecue Area, I, I suggest you go and watch it. It's good fun, it's so timely, it's still pertinent today, the, the, the role reversal and the topics that are touched on in that amazing short docudrama. Um, it, was a, it was a drama, but it was shot in a documentary style, and I had to base my character on Yana Wendt, you know who was just like the bomb back in those days, um, and just just loved her tenacity, and I was like,
1: yeah, I gotta do that, okay,
2: <laughs> so the um, SBS calls our, my artist agency up and says, um, do you have any journalists on your books, and they go, no, but we've got this girl who just finished playing a journalist, maybe you'd like to see her, so this is 1988, um, yeah, 1988, 86, 88,
3: yeah
2: 88. <laughs> yeah, 88, and and then so um, I go across there and they interview me, and I get this gig for like nine months, which is me being a presenter on SBS, um, and I don't know if I can claim the fact that maybe I was the first Indigenous presenter, I think there may have been other people there before me, and I like to give that, you know, shout out to other people who may have done it in, a, in you know, a smaller way or something. Um, but you you also had um, the black artists of the black mm-hmm. unit on ABC sort of coming around that that period too. So you had you had all the males before that. And remain you can correct me on this. You know you had you had um, some of that comedy sketch stuff that was being done on ABC and it was prior to that, which was really exciting. You know, and so to get that gig, I mean it wasn't an indigenous. Um, identified position, I I was a night host, and I'd say, hi, welcome to SBS, and, you know, tonight, it's going to be, you're going to be watching Ocean, or blah, 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 you know, and I had to do this really funny thing, because I was confronted with all this different language, and the pronunciations, and I spoke 100 miles an hour, so I had to learn to calm and speak slowly, (laughs) and... Then I'd run up to George Danikian or um, S- Suzanka Katina and say, "Hey, how do you pronounce this Ukrainian word or this Greek word or you know whatever it was?" And you know, we'd go through this whole thing, and then you know, uh, it was so much fun. I just loved it, and that's my passion. Then it started there. Even though I was in front of the camera, that idea to get behind the camera started, you know, morphing and bubbling away, and I realized. It's okay to be in front of the camera. But gee, I lost a lot of sweat, I swear. Yeah. I was 20 pause. my legs would sweat. You know, the auto cue person would be like, You need to slow down because I was beating the auto cue, you know? <laughs> 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 yeah, so let me go. You went really fast. But <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I have, I, I, I have so slow- takes at SBS on me you know before they put it to air and I think they used them one time in a Christmas party I wasn't there I was like choked up <laughs> <laughs> so for those who don't know choked up means I was quite angry to to know that they used this as an example of don't speak fast <laughs>
3: oh my goodness
2: uh, it was it was so much fun um I just wanted to
3: backpack,
0: uh, backpack sorry I just wanted to backtrack to um Barbecue area, um, like you absolutely embodied Jana Vent, just the way you were standing, the way she tilts her head, and just her mannerisms. Um, how did you feel um, doing that um, as a black woman and that story? Like, were you did you read the script and was like, oh no, no, I'm not doing that. Like, this is controversial.
2: know, uh, no, no. Um... I was so excited about this idea of being uh, in, in this little short drama and the fact that um, Don Featherston was the, the director and, you know, I'm really sorry I, and I have to apologise if our friend who wrote it, I can't even remember his name, but he wrote Mother and Son. Does anyone know his name? Remain, do the research. <laughs> but he Jeffrey got... Jefferson. Jeffrey. Jefferson. Yes. So Jeffrey was there you know with us and he was just so on point um he's such a great observer of what was going on in society right and and he's older so here i come just young i think i was 22 you know and I'm, i'm close to 60 now you know so long time ago long time ago full of exuberance and full of um any possibility you know really solution oriented okay i'm gonna go into this and at that time, also because you were striving to change the face of what Australian identity was about, you, you were willing to take risks. And I didn't think about the things like the feminist angle. I didn't think about where the power lay or anything like that. It's only in retrospect that I've really thought about it. And because I think I, I walked into that space with that really clear, and this is a creative process, um, I think it freed me up. To just give everything that I could, and then you know the evidence lay in the end product, which is I, I hadn't done any journalism, so it was about okay. This is what a tough, you know, investigative journalist might do. Um, when the wardrobe said, "Look, how do you want to dress?" I said, "Oh, it's got to be a power suit. It has to be a power suit." Um, so you know, the power with the <laughs> bloody <So> broad- <laughs> Thank goodness, so you know, it was all of that, it was just all of that, and and um, they were just so, working with ABC, you know, back in the day because it was still very male, very male, um, was fantastic. Just you know, love that whole process. And then the most magical thing that happened with that was working with the people in Sydney, the, the countrymen there, you know, that they were so generous that here was a, a young woman that came from a different space, different country playing this role, which would turn out to be such a pivotal um, product, you know, that has just had this longevity that will continue. Um, I get stopped by police in the street and they go, hey, aren't you that lady on, you know, barbecue area? Because they use it as a cross-cultural teaching tool. And this goes on all the time. And my children who have gone through uni would say, that's my mum. And they go, yeah, right. The rest of the students, you know, in the cohort, yeah, they're right. And they go, no, that's our mum. That's my mum. You know, so it it has this great intergenerational equity. You know that it's just really rich, and um, I don't know. It's 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 just such a. It's one of my heart projects. You know, one of my heart projects. And it did then say to me, um, the power actually lays lies behind the lens, the camera, and so it was from then I went into true journalism in terms of going with ABC and trained as a TV news reporter. Um, first story was, about a cat up the tree, you know, so you, you, you're thrown in, you know, whatever comes into the editorial office that morning, the next day it was a murder. And, yep. you know, so it's like, oh my gosh, you know. Um, and so finding my way through that as a, a storyteller, evidence-based um, with facts and all of that was, Really, really fantastic, and you know, then the journey went on from there. I um, moved to the United States, and I came back with. I went across with one child, came back with two, got married. You know, I was married when I went across, and then my career grew with my children. You know, so it's kind of a little bit of a family dynasty. So my oldest son, Cornell, who's listening, he's on driving still, I think, son. Um, <laughs> He's a cinematographer, editor, director, you know. Um, so somewhere along the line, you know, that I probably inspired him. Um, but there were other people around who inspired him as well, his Uncle Wayne, Barker, um, and then the great people at Galari um that he worked with there, his cohort, you know, young people. And then um my daughter Jetta, is in, in the film industry as well. She's in the camera area. Um, Aretha is our stills photographer. She's the baby girl. Uh, my sister has been my greatest support and um, dreamer with me, Eileen, and uh, so she's always been uh, the producer. She is the big mind and the money mind, and you know keeps us honest um, and will always remind me, no, no, can't do that. Bottom line, you know all of that. Um, and my sister, Allie, who some of you may have seen on Creole Kitchen with me is my other biggest support. You know, she, um, she worked with us in the office in production and um, always kept us on time and stuff like that. And um, I think it's kind of rare to have a whole family that's, you know, involved in the film industry. And then my, my nephew, Petrus, is in sound, he, he's a great sound guy. He composes our music, he does sound post. Um, great drone operator as well. So when you can pull on those kind of talents um, in your, just in your cohort, then you attract all the other people too as well, you know? And I think, Johnson, I want to just talk about how coming into um, um, the film space was, uh, it was really, it's that thing of, did it find me or did I find it? I think it was because of all of that journey before as a journalist broadcaster, um, Mother. <laughs> mother. <laughs> mother. Um, yeah, stories every day, you know, your kids just inspire you, they come on your shoots and um, amazing young people, you know, um, who you just want to be with. And um, they feed, they feed you, they feed you the stories because, you know, little human beings growing up to be, you know, amazing um, people. So my family has grown, obviously. I used to be able to take them on shoots. They're now all gone and flown in the nest. So I've come to sort of like the second, third act. I think it's my third act is what I'm in. And so I've had to, I'm starting to think about reinventing myself. So, you know, I'm more into drama. My passion was documentary. I love documentary because I'm right into history. And the thing about passion in the filmmaking space and the storytelling space generally, is it's what drives you, it's what makes you jump out of bed every day. And sometimes, you know, you have those blocks, yes you do. We're very creative, but we also have blocks. Um, but the passion, if you've got that, you can have an amazing career, an amazing career, you know, in this field. And, and I'm not just saying the visual storytelling field, I'm talking about theater, you know, journalism, radio, Um, dance, you know, it's, it's all there. If you just want to be in the literature area, um, passion, absolutely love your job. And, um, it, it shouldn't be a job actually, you know, when it starts feeling like a job, um, go and look, go and chase your passion somewhere else. Um, and so, yeah, having a young family, starting my film company, I think Joseph, we talked about this, um. You know, I had to put aside every fortnight, $50 every fortnight, because I had four young young people going through, you know, separation. Um, and I had to go, okay, well, what am I going to do now, you know? Because I was at uni, um, and then I said, well, I know. I know how stories are made. I know how stories are made. Never did a film in my life, um, apart from, you know, news stories, um, working with an editor. And I said, well, I kind of know how... Dramas are uh, constructed because I've watched enough of them, and put in for the um, to Celluloid um, short film initiative, and I got um, a little short called "Promise Up," which was about my great my grandmother's promise to my grandfather. So that story is, is you know wrapped up in that. Um, and I got a Guernsey for that. then I got to work with the amazing Pauline Clagg. She was our producer. And um, just just working with her catapulted me in, in such an amazing way. And then my sister Eileen was the next producer that did that same thing. Um, there's something really special, really organic about working with an indigenous producer. And I'm not saying that this doesn't happen with other producers, but there's this deep knowing. Um, you don't have to go through the cultural protocols because you just know it. Yep. And you don't have to do Aboriginal Studies 101 with new people come into your space so that you're really free. You're really free to tackle the creative side, you know? And there is this trust that there's an unspoken dialogue that's going on between you and um, and an Indigenous producer. But I have also, having said that, I've also had that with non-Indigenous um, Um, producers, but there's something really special, really spiritual, you know, about the other um, collaboration and you don't have to argue so hard for something that you really, really deeply want to have in your story. There's this innate understanding, there's a deep spiritual understanding and you go, yep, and they help you, then your producer helps you. So, Cilla Collins, Pauline Clagg, Arlene Torres, Carla Hart, Taryn Lafar, these are the producers that I have been working with. Jody Bell from Galari, dot West to a different degree. She she bounces, she she's the best bouncing board for me because she's just here. She's like, you know, down the road there. And um that cohort, I haven't I haven't had the uh, opportunity to work with any of our male producers yet, but I'm you know. I'm in my third act, so hurry up, fellas. Come on now. You know, we'll be doing some amazing projects. Um,
0: power of a woman. <laughs>
2: I'm 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 sort of going all over the place, but pull me in, Joseph, if you want to. No,
0: um, all good. But um, I'm yeah, uh, speaking about collaboration, um, I just wanted to bring up um Janamara's war. Mm. Um so that was that all happened back in the eighteen hundreds. Yeah, true story. Um, How difficult or easy was it? um, Because you're kind of from that W area where Mm. the story um, happened. Um, Yeah. How easy was it? Did you know them mob? Or did you already know that story? (sighs) How was the research?
2: (laughs) This is my love story film. I was told that story when I was eight years old by my grandfather, my jubby, my mum's father, who is intimately connected with Bunuba people. His stepfather was a Bunuba man. My grandfather's Ngunna and Walmajari. Um, and his stepfather grew him up. And basically he was versed in Bunuba as well as Walmajari and Nugana, you know, law and customs. So that story, um, was in my life from about eight years old and it always was in the back of my mind that I would do something with it. I didn't know when or how, but it found me as a filmmaker. And then when I got the permissions, it was because they were waiting for me to grow up uh-huh. to tell that story, you know? and. So when you have that kind of trust and that kind of access to such a big story, um, you know you have, to, they're giving you a gift. My elders are giving me a gift to, to look after it and do it correctly. And um, you're never going to satisfy everyone, but for the majority, everyone was very, very happy to be a part of it. And one of the things that was, a, it was a, pure collaboration. So, um, right from my um, cultural advisors, uh, pe- y- younger than me, but, you know, I deferred to them on everything about, okay, this is the right way, no, elder men as well, It's because it's a male domain story, but it does yeah. have a, a really strong feminine, female, you know, role in it as well, because Jandamara, um, you know his 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 group of people that supported him and protected him were a band of women. You know, and his mother was key, and his one of his wives was key to his success um, in his campaign. And what people do forget was he was quite young. He was 22 when he was killed. 22, 23. People sort of think of him as this older guy, but. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's younger than my youngest daughter. And um, that's like, wow, you know, when you see many of the young people today, and you go, he did that at that age, you know, held up the advancement of um, the pastorals and Vedas to that, that space of the world there for three years, nonstop, mm-hmm. and um, was able to delay that advance, even though it was inevitable because of force and all of that. His eye was on protecting his country, protecting his cultural ways, um, his people. And so he gave it his all. But at the end of the day, he um, he he the the wall that was advancing was too big, too strong, you know. Um, But look, this young man at twenty three left his mark, you know, and that spirit still resides in every bun of a person. And it's really amazing. So when we, when we finished that filming, there was this great sense of pride um, amongst the men and the younger boys and all of that. And um, it sort of extrapolated into them when they were going through ceremony or whatever, or, or gathering again. And um, it gave them this great sense of pride to be, have been part of it. Uh, but what an amazing project to work on you only get a few of those in your lifetime as a as a filmmaker Um, and when you do, um, it's it's that process of there's a few major films that you want to make as a documentary maker that are going to be relevant forever. That's one of them. The other one is The of Bluff Massacre. Another one is about my uncle who was a blues harmonica player, saltwater cup jump, saltwater blues man. Um, and I always try to make stories with our elders who are alive so that we can tell them how they've inspired us, not wait till they've passed, but let them know that their legacy is um, important to us and that we are enriched. And so many of the elders that I have made documentaries with have passed, mm-hmm. but what a gift that they have given to me so that I can then their family has, has a record of the amazing person that they come from or that has left a great footprint for them and, and whose shoulders they stand on, you know? so
0: And yeah. as, you know, there's always um, two sides to a story, or three or mm. four sides, you know, how big and long and rich our culture is. Um, mm. How did you deal with all of that? Back forth, in in um, and all, all of the stories also with your elders that you um, have collaborated with.
2: Well, I always take the stance um, that when I'm making a story from my community, most of my stories are like this, is that I'm telling the story from a really um, distinct uh, lens. And it's going to be, an, it's going to be a black flower lens. Mm-hmm. There's no two ways about it, you know? <clears throat> um, and I don't ever apologise for that you know, and my first audience is also my mob. Yeah. Because I want to tell them that they're, I want to validate their experiences and say, your experiences matter to me as a, as a storyteller, as a filmmaker. Therefore, if it matters to me, it's going to matter to somebody else as well, whether they're in that community or from without, you know, um, and I never ever apologized for having that indigenous lens. I, I can't look at a story and look at it from a white lens. There's no way. I don't know what that means. No, Do you know no. what I mean? No. And um, and it's it's a very distinct voice. It's why we tell stories. It's because we looked, we grew up, and we didn't see ourselves. We the closest thing that we saw was you know um, an African American person. Um, in one of our, the shows that we grew up on, and you know, that that was kind of like for us, um, um, okay, there's a black person, you know, this, that kind of reflects us, but it isn't really. Then we had Jeddah and we saw Robert Tadawali, and we saw, um, um, geez, the lady that played Jeddah, who I named my daughter after, um, here go, Dr. Romaine Morton. Tell me, please. I can see her face, and she's so beautiful now. <laughs> Very um, strong politically.
0: Rosalie Monks.
2: Rosalie, yes. So I named my daughter Jeddah after the character of Rosalie. But before that, I went to dance school with a beautiful girl named Jeddah Cole. And um, she is, Jeddah's named after her. As well, so yeah. there's these two genders that in, impacted on me, and I and um, I don't know I wanted to honour them yeah. with that name. Yeah. Um, but anyway, would you,
0: how would you, um, because for the uh, non-indigenous uh, friends who I have in here today, uh, yes. how can they um, champion or collaborate with us respectfully um, going forward in the future? Because there will be times where They want to help tell our story. Mm. Um, But obviously there's different pathways to do that.
2: Well, I think, I guess, I guess the main thing is no stories about us without us, you know, no stories about us without us. Um, And don't get trapped into the romanticizing of us, right? draw us, paint us, write us as the complex people that we are, right, Um, and how you approach your creative partnerships with each other, um, they're going to be, you know, the same rules apply, respect, understanding, listening, um, if you have a disagreement about why that, that depiction might be incorrect. Bloody well listen, because the chances are you're going to make your project stronger by listening to that indigenous voice rather than waiting, pushing ahead because you're you're too uh, stubborn to understand that um, your story could be better. Your story could be because it's a bit more factual, a bit more to the truth. And if you want your stories and your characters to jump, jump and be live, listen to the people who've listened. You know you know, there's always that thing. <laughs> I go back to barbecue area. Um, what do you think? What do you think about, um, the question was asked, what do you think about um, white people? Oh, and the lady says at the bottom of the stairs, she goes, oh, no, the businessman, the old black businessman goes, oh, I don't know. I've never met one. And then the, the other lady down at the bottom of the escalator goes, hmm, I like the music. Unfortunately, they can't dance. And, you know, that's obviously stereotypes, because I know some funky white people, you know? (laughs) (laughs) And um, So yeah, so, and, and I know some black folks who can't even dance, so you know what I'm saying? It's all about making a personal connection and being human and being in spirit, letting your spirit guide you to come up with the most beautiful, powerful storytelling that you could ever do and in, in, in a collaboration, understand that you both bring from two different cultural paradigms, you could come up with something pretty amazing, right? So, you know, never think that your story is stronger than the other one because guess what? This other side here um, just takes your story to another level. Don't think you can do it. Don't think you can do it by yourself because you have not been you know making up gala gala stories.
3: Yeah.
0: Mm. Um, so we get many, um, questions from our students. Um, when you get an idea in your brain box, what's the first thing that you do? (laughs) Being a non-indigenous, uh, creative.
2: Okay. So I'm telling these white filmmakers.
0: Yep. There's all colours
2: (laughs) colours. Sorry. Like, you know, when I say white, I'm just saying, it's not derogative or anything like that. Okay. You know, because it's such a cool color, look at this. Come on now, I rock you guys. (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, So what is, uh, what would I be telling that person if they got a great idea, is that what you're saying? Yep. Okay. I think, don't censor yourself, but also check yourself as to why you want to tell that story, first of all. And you go, you need to ask yourself, what, what, is the, what is the place that you're coming from, you know, um, to tell that story? Is it about, I don't know how to say, I, I don't know how to say that, but re- really ask yourself why you think you can tell this story and why should you tell the story? And are you qualified to tell the story? And do you have the support of the community you are talking about, you know? So, I think those are, that's what a um, a non-Indigenous person needs to ask themselves And the other question is, hang on a minute, um, first of all, has the story been told too as well, you know? Has the story already been told? For some young people entering the film industry. Uh, go, oh, this, I haven't seen this yet, but yes, it has been. I, I got introduced to some young Indigenous filmmaker and it was so funny, So a few of them um, last year and I had to introduce myself, you know, I, I was asking them questions and they were like, oh, so who are you? I said, I'm Mitch Torres. And they were like, oh, I've never heard of you. And <laughs> it was really funny because, you know, um, I just thought, okay, and this is one of the things, I'm, I'm so not on social media, so apparently I'm not relevant. <laughs> so these young people were like, oh, so, so like, do you make films? Do you, you know, like, what are you here for? And there was a real wake up call because I was like, damn, I better get back on social media and, you know, let people know what I'm doing. But no, I don't have to do that. But the point was, um, young people coming into the film industry may think that they may they want to tell a story that's already been told. And if that is the case, go ahead. You know, that's great. Tell it from a different perspective because it's that intergenerational thing, you know, that you might be able to extract something more so that you can make it relevant for this generation of audience, you know? And sometimes old stories are new again, you know? I hope I answered that, Joseph.
0: You did, you did. And you hit the nail on the head because... Um, that's exactly right. Like you ask yourself, why should I tell this story? Hmm. Um, it's not my story. Um, and am I the right person? Um, and it's also it also goes to um, Indigenous Australians as well. If I wanted to tell another tribe's story, like, you know, that's, it's, you have to be really respectful because my culture is totally different to yours mm-hmm. and different manner, different everything.
2: Absolutely. (laughs) Look, I think we have to get our head around. There is no pan-Aboriginal, you know, space. That's kind of a construct, you know, and 500 to 700 nations. Yeah. Right. Something like that. Is that about correct? Yeah. It depends on which map you look at, I think. Um, And which ones have been found. Yes. (laughs) Which ones were, you know, wiped out or whatever, which is such a sad thing to say, but, um, when you have that such difference across I mean there are definitely generic similarities and so that thing of why do you want to tell the story and don't place that story in someone else's country where something didn't happen because you upset you upset the energy you upset the energy of that place yeah and even to speak someone else's language on someone else's country in a story per se um. You know, you can, you can change the energy because words have power, you know? Words have power, this energy. Um, the word spelling, it's casting spells, you yeah. know? So what are you casting when you're saying words on someone else's country? Um, be cognizant of that, you know? So yeah, the difference between nations. Look, it's one of the hardest spaces to navigate, but if you do it right, um, the outcomes are so amazing and you must do it right, right at the beginning. and and check all of those things so that you don't get halfway down your shoot and and suddenly you've come across a cultural uh, wall and you find that your talent is walking away. This has never happened to me, which really proves that I I follow through on those things. Um, Your talent is walking away, your story is gonna flow. You don't have a story without your talent. Your people who share their stories is the reason why you make these films. If you don't have any talent, that's why you gotta treat them really respectfully. you know don't go into communities oh these people like to give stories for nothing no 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 they're the experts you pay for consultants to come into your communities to do things you pay your talent because they're the experts And if you don't have your talent you got no story
3: yeah
2: so it. i have always emphasized that that i don't give you talking to someone for 20 minutes or an hour you know what you pay them like a consultant
3: yeah
2: you know because they are the expert
0: and also like let them know what they're signing up for on that dotted line like let them know yes their image is going to be shown forever forever Long is forever sound is forever so yeah it's really important just to be transparent in that kind of way
2: Excellent. and talking to the family so that um those protocols or what happens um you know, with with that, after a person passes, that that will be there and that they consider that right at the beginning before the elder signs and wants to be part of your film. Um, and what is, you know, I'll just bring you back to a story just recently, um, an elder passed on my community. I made a documentary with that elder and the family came back and said, do you have that documentary? You know, like right at the beginning, you give all the copies back to the family. And of course those copies go walkabout. And I had one copy left and I said, this is for you, this is for you, this is for you. And um, they were just like blown away because they want to use it they want to Use it in, in um, farewelling their elder. to, And it's only a small part of her life that she shared with me, but um, they wanted to see her talking about her country and all of that. So, so blessed to have done that, you know? And that's what it's all about yeah what is the intergenerational legacy and equity you leave for the people that that because that story is not just about one individual that story is about the cell the family the community and the whole narrative of australian identity you know
0: yeah so <laughs> mm. and for the um first time filmmakers who are listening and watching um what makes a good story <gasps>
2: Oh, my goodness. Big short question. (laughs) Big short question. (laughs) I suppose um, something that you've never heard before, a story that you never heard as at all. You've heard it before, but you've never seen it put into a format that other people can understand and learn from. Right? So, you know, we can make 20, 50 stolen generation stories, right? But there's always a perspective that will be different, and you have to find that perspective because you're going to have to argue with your commissioning editor, the funding agent, say, ah, oh, why is this different? Yeah. So, if you can tell that story, like I said before, why are you going to tell the story? Is it different? Is it an old story retold, um, an old history retold? So, if you can find that different perspective, um, you're onto a good thing that that's it that's that's the first one because if you if someone if, if 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 you haven't heard this story before pretty good chance that the rest of australia hasn't heard this story as well yeah. Right? yeah except maybe from that specific community where that story you know played out so looking for stories like that that's what makes a good story the other story, the other good thing, if you, if you, if someone is telling you a story, my family hate this about me, they absolutely hate it. They go, i I say, oh, tell me stories. And they go, oh, go away. You know, like, you're collecting stories again? And ev- like, oh, uh, you can't turn it off. I'm writing scripts in my head when I'm having coffee with friends, family, um, you know, new people. It, you, you can't turn it off. It's a, it's a, it's a bit of a curse but it's also a blessing at the same time, you know? Um, And so if someone's telling you a story and your heartstrings get tugged, you know, your heart chakra starts vibrating or your gut starts to feel, "Mm," you know, you know, you know, that there's something about the story and then you ask the next question. So, you know, well how did this play out when did you start asking all those questions um and when mm-hmm. i do they go nah i'm not telling anymore you know shut up <laughs> you're gonna turn this into a film i said oh yes i am <laughs> and then i keep at them you know that passion i was like oh do you know how amazing this story is but everybody has a story right everyone yeah and you turn a most mundane thing in as well a mundane event people think their story is mundane But as a storyteller, you see the story in it. You see that there's passion in it. There's, um, you know, like you go, oh, gosh, I want to make this and try to hold yourself back, you know? And then you finally get this, you know, that further discussion, you go, oh, um, you know that story you told me (laughs) a month month ago about Nana or whatever, Um, and they go, yeah. I said, oh, you know, like, you ask the next questions. Is there any photos of her, in the archives? you know, because I like using cinema verite in my documentary. So, you know, it's layered, it has archives, it has photographs, it has moving, you know, film footage and all of that, you know. Um, That's kind of how I like doing my stuff. Um, And so you start picking to see what kind of resources you got in that story, you know. Yeah. And I'm travelling to Darwin to work on one of those kind of stories. And when this person told me the story, oh my God, and they jumped out of the chair. I was like, oh, poetic, poetic. It's like a poem, you know? It's a diary, it's a poem. Oh my God, this is gonna, I can see it. And then I, st- I start seeing it. I see beginning, middle and end. I see the finished product before I have even written a word. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Oh my goodness. I can't wait.
2: Yeah. <laughs> and then I start dreaming. I start dreaming about the story. Yeah. And when, when your connection with the storyteller builds up, you start getting messages in your dream. You know, the conf- confirmation start coming, and that connection, spirit to spirit, old people start coming through. I don't sound, you know, like thing. It's a real thing. Yes. Yeah. This, is, this is a process, and if your story is meant to be told, you have to be open to feel that those stories coming through, the guidance and the confirmations that yes, you're on the right track.
3: Yeah, yeah. Even to, the- even to <laughs> editing.
2: You know when you get stuck in the edit room? When you yeah. get stuck in the edit room. On John Demar, we got we had a block, major block, right? And um, um, my editor said, oh gosh, this is really hard work and I said, you know what? I'm going home, I'm gonna go to sleep. And tomorrow morning, I'll have the answer for you. Went to sleep, had a dream about the edit, what had to happen in the edit, da-da-da-da-da download of information, go back in, boom, yeah, 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 And it's one of the most powerful sequences in the film. It's powerful.
0: Yeah, when you get those dreams, it can be, also be scary. I worked on um, a documentary with Dealey Curtis called Pontiana Woman. Yes. And, oh my goodness. That woman, because she's a, a bad troubled spirit, she come to me every single night when we were filming and I'm like, you better leave when I leave. Yes. <laughs> so yes. it does, it does happen.
2: It's real. And everyone, everyone has the ability to tap into that, that space. Yeah. As a storyteller, you got to be really open to it because you are carrying generations of genetic memory, you know, that come through in your stories. Yeah. Through your ancestors, through your bloodlines. Yeah. And you have to honor it. That's it. Yeah.
0: Um, so, just before we open it up to questions from everyone else, what advice um, would you give new filmmakers coming out of film school? Like, once you've got graduated, you get that hat, you get that certificate, what do you do?
2: Uh, start looking. Start looking around your community. Start talking to people. Talk to your elders. Whichever community you come from, you're going to find stories. Look, a lot of our mob don't realize they've got great stories. They just think they've just lived this, you know, normal life, right? They don't examine their lives. So it's not, it's, you know, they live a life not examined. Just go through life and go, okay, this happened to me, da, 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 da. You will find gems amongst your elders, your middle aged people and your young people because there's a whole lot of stories that young people are experiencing that we didn't experience in our generation. It's a whole new, you know, as as you know, you can see the young people, they got some amazing stories. I love that about young people. Um, I love nurturing um, young talent and and going into producer space now, trying to be a producer is really uh, different brain, different side, you know, it's good fun. Um, and that's another that thing about, you know, um, moving into the next phase of my career, writing drama and, and being a producer. So I hope I answered that, Joseph. Yeah. Yep. yeah, Definitely. Oh, Be brave, be brave, be bold. And um, most of all, be passionate, be passionate with your stories you know, find the stories that, that, that feed your passion.
0: Good, good answer. <laughs> um, so I got a question from Sue who works with us. Sue works uh, with Romaine and Gary and Marissa and Io and I. Um, yeah. So she's asked, what's one of the biggest risks you've taken as a filmmaker? And learned <gasps> you learned from it?
2: I never, ever chewed off more, you know, than I could handle. So I'm, I'm not really a risk taker. I always make sure that everything is in order. That's a Virgo in me, I'm sorry. I don't do much risk taking, but um, having said that, I think, you know, like I go back to Jandamara, it was a male domain story and I had to navigate how the risk that I took was being a female in a real male domain story. And could I speak that story justice, you know, bring, breathe life into that story in a way that the elder men still felt that they were telling the story and being in control of that, you know, and me not being overpowering, but just being that vehicle to tell that story in a way that was um, powerful. And I think it's, I think it's a beautiful film. I think it's pretty amazing. you know, and then when you work with, with the, the people who who own that story, um you can only get magic at the end of it, you know. Yeah. So yeah, I yeah. think, yeah, not too much risk taking, you know. Otherwise I'd be making films like, you know, zombies, zombie zombie model, uh, I don't know. <laughs> you Max. know. Max. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, nah. <laughs> <laughs> got to have that heart. They've got to have that heart and something that reflects my community. Um, that shows truths. That shows truths. A little bit of twisting, you know, when you can be creative and take creative license. But for the most part, the stories that I, I make is about telling our, our people, you, deadly, you're worth it. Your life means something to me, and um, your you know, you being in my life has enriched me beyond anything that I could, you know, pay for. So I want those stories to resonate forever, you know, and it just, you know, a young student going to uni has got an extra text to look at, you know, and, and, and it's been shared by an expert in our community. You know, who does, you know, I, I don't know. Does that make sense?
0: Yes. And that was beautiful. I'm getting all choked up here.
2: <laughs> oh, I'll start crying soon. <laughs> um, but that's why we make, films, to- hey? why yeah. We
3: make films. Yeah
2: you know? that's why we write books, that's why we do dances because uh, if the whole of Australia could have embraced this this, ex- this culture, this oldest culture, the oldest people, how much more enriched would our society be? You know They're missing out those ones who are stubborn don't want to know, they're missing out, but you know, yeah, yeah, they're missing out, so yeah.
0: That's it. Mm. Um, So Rihanna's asked, when you had a story that you felt you had to tell, how did others get to see the importance of it as well, particularly if you have told no one when trying to get it up?
2: Uh, Can I tell you something? Everyone knows about my story straight away, Rihanna. (laughs) <laughs> because you know, because I want to speak life into it, do you understand that Brianna? yeah, so I don't I don't really have this thing, this need to not talk about my my projects because because um, I want to manifest them you have to, you have to put it out there. you have to put it out there and then all that all the synchronicities start happening and you start getting this information um, and if you block yourself off you might you might lose some you, you might get some of those good messages. It could be coming through because you're going, I need to keep the secret. That's just me. I'm not saying that that might work, not work for you, uh, you know? But for the most part, I talk about my projects because I'm breathing life into them. I want them to happen. And um, if you don't tell the universe what you want, you're not gonna get it back, you know? And if you hold too close, I think, I think if you hold too close, you don't allow that flow of energy because all the stories we talk about is information. Information just flows freely should flow freely and empower those who are sharing it and those who are receiving it. So don't be afraid to talk about your projects. That's my, you know, that's my thing. Um, And I make it really clear because I got my story, this is my story, I'm talking about it, copyright, boom. Even though, you know what I mean, it's only verbal. uh, Because then you can stop anyone coming around and saying, oh that's a kind of good idea. Oh no, I got dibs on this one, thank you. So yeah.
3: the
0: person who you're talking to, who you're telling the story to, may um, also have information or can enrich or collaborate or encourage, inspire you.
2: Absolutely. That's right. That's right. Um, And I think it's one of those things that, look, our our tradition, we come from this amazing oral tradition, dance, artwork, um, you know, painting singing song all of that right and there's certain places for those stories some of them are not for public consumption right and then the ones where we are doing the stories that are about history sharing you know tradition sharing um, memory sharing um, and and you can tell your story but if you if you don't share it with anyone if you don't share your story with anyone you don't have an audience. You don't have a community. You don't have. Um, um, I just noticed a message from my son. Yes. Who <laughs> have been your inspirations? Anyway, just to finish that point, stop interrupting. Um, now I've lost my train of thought. Thanks, son. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, you know the the. I don't know. It, it's. It's fluid, you're going to find your way how to tell your stories and be passionate about it, also be true to yourself without compromising, too much. But understand when you tell a community story, there's compromising. And probably for the better, you have a more powerful outcome. There you go. Now, who's my inspirations? You're one of my inspirations, Cornellosius. When I first started out, I went to a meeting in Alice Springs. When I first made that decision, I set my I set my little film company up with these $50 up that I put away every two weeks cause I was on parenting pension with my four little ones. And I set up a shelf company, it cost me $700. So that took me some weeks to do that, right? And I got invited to, I think it was called Glen Helen, Scylla Collins was a producer at the time in, in Karma, and um, there was like 30 of us went to this workshop, Rachel was there, Rachel Perkins, Warwick Daunton, Ellen Collins, Debbie Giddens, Coochie Raymond, um, and many, many more. Um, I think Beck, no Beck wasn't there, Beck Cole wasn't there, it's kind of like that first big gathering of first filmmakers that were doing things in a community sense and then going, you know, after um, Santa celluloid happened, the, those initiatives that came through Wall Saunders um, at, at the film, what was called, um, not Screen Australia, Australian Film Commission at that time. And so there was this real nice buzz going on about, okay, so filmmakers have got these skills. What are we going to do with this stuff? You know, what, what are we going to do? How are we going to, this into growing this industry. So there's this is beautiful photo that was taken. I don't know if you ever found it, um, um, Joseph, but there was a beautiful photo of all of us sitting with this big, beautiful, uh, you know, landscape behind us, one of the oldest lands um, mm-hmm. in the world on this planet, you know, and we're just sitting there being deadly filmmakers with this vision What was that vision? We all had to discover what that vision was. But when I looked around me and I looked at my cohort, I was like, I'm going to have friends that are going to follow me through my whole journey. And we're going to feed off each other. And from that, um, I made these lifelong, lifelong relationships with about seven or eight of those people. And I've probably worked with all of them at some stage. You know, we were like, if I'm growing, I'm taking you with me, you know, I'm taking you along. And it sort of went like that really quickly, really quickly. And it was just this kind of natural thing. Oh, yeah, I'm going to use you as my DLP. I'm going to use you as my sound guy. Um, you're going to be my editor. And having had that experience, it, it really built in me this really um, outlook. that I love collaboration. I love collaboration. And what comes from that? with all of the different levels that we were at, um, as filmmakers, storytellers, um, if it was going to be, you know, documentaries, if it was going to be drama, that sort of thing. So that kind of, it, wasn't a ma- it was very historic. And I always go back to that because I grew up with those, those other filmmakers as a storyteller, you know, and I'm so grateful for them. Um, and their sharing and their guidance, you know. So, young filmmakers, um, the people that you collaborate with, you grow with them, they grow with you. It's like blessings, both ways, yeah? Mm.
0: Well, you really are an inspiration to me, um, and you. to a lot of filmmakers, people, um, in Australia and throughout the world. Um, and that shows through all of your beautiful work and the history of your family, and. The hard work that you put in, like you are definitely uh, a woman who just did not give up, even though you had four kids, you did this. Yeah.
2: And I didn't go to film school either.
0: You didn't go to film school, but you, uh, you knew where your path was and you followed it. Yeah. And you collaborated yeah. and believed in yourself. Um, yeah. So thank and you so much. <laughs>
2: believed in the, the people around me as well. I didn't get here by myself, you yeah. know? Yeah. So it's a community. Yeah. It's a community that helps you grow too. It's a storyteller. So whoever in my life has walked with me on this, I'm eternally grateful.
0: You've been listening to talks at afters an Australian film, television, and radio school podcast. Please subscribe for more episodes. For show notes and other resources, head to afters.edu.au. That's aftrs.edu.au.